0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Alex is our worship director. Sorry. Uh, hey, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're in this series called Kingdom Come. And uh, I love talking about the kingdom. I, I don't think we talk about it enough. And so uh, it's exciting to be here and, and uh, get diving into it this morning. Um, you know, through this series, we've been talking about how uh, kingdom living is really experiencing the reign and rule of God in everyday life. That's what it is. It's the, there's a king to the kingdom. And, uh, and so living into the kingdom is really living under his lordship and his rule. And so we're going to dive into what that looks like in our everyday lives. Um, you know, we're trying to live out this kingdom idea, this reign and rule of God on a local level. And you may have heard about this, but we're actually, this October, uh, we're looking at planning a church in Blaine. Uh, which I'm really excited about, which I've been, uh, I'm excited to spearhead. And we've actually taken some of this idea. Dan talked about the Lord's Prayer last week and how in the Lord's Prayer we pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our vision uh, for Blaine is really that heaven would touch earth where we live. Like we want, we want uh, heaven to touch earth here in Birch Bay and we want heaven to touch earth there in Blaine. And um, that's really what we get to do as his followers, is we get to be a part of heaven touching earth. So we came up with this little mantra, uh, in Blaine as it is in heaven. (laughs) This is good. This is our prayer card. Um, So we try to pray this every morning. Um, We we, we want the kingdom to be all over the world, but we're praying specifically for Blaine, um, that God would show up in a transforming way in Blaine, and it's been exciting to be, uh, my, my family and I moved to Blaine about six months ago, and it's just been cool to be a, uh, be a part of the community, get to know community uh, leaders, and see there's a hunger for a new movement uh, of Jesus in Blaine, and so we're just, I- I'm excited. Um, if you want to be a part of the updates, uh, we've got a, a, a sign-up sheet in the back, you can sign up and receive email updates, so feel free to do that. Um, but yeah, this fall, we're looking for a team of 50 people who would commit to, uh, to planning with us in Blaine. All right, um, let's get to it. Today, we're going to talk about buying in. Today, we're going to talk about buying in. Um, here's a question. Have you ever had someone try to sell you something that you might not have wanted? Any, anybody? <laughs> anybody try to convince you to buy into something? Like, everybody. Everybody. Everybody should be raising your hand. We all have. You know, there are people everywhere who look like ordinary people who would love nothing more than to sell you something that you don't need. And, uh, and so we, they, they would desire that you would, you would buy into what, they, what, what they're selling, hook, line, and sinker. In fact, some of you might have something that you'd like other people to buy into, and, uh, you know, I, I realize I'm doing this now as I'm talking about CTK Blaine. I'm, I always am trying to get people to buy into uh, what we're doing in Blaine. But the worst is when you have people insist on you buying something that A, you can't afford, B, you don't want, or C, both. Bonnie and I spent our 10th honeymoon in Whistler. And during our time there, we ran into a group that was giving away $125, If you would agree to sit through an hour-long presentation on, can anybody guess? (laughs) Timeshare. Nailed it. A timeshare. Uh, Yeah, some of you have probably sat through the same presentation. But, you know, here we were. It was was a beautiful July day in Whistler. And we're sitting in this stuffy office. I think they strategically had us placed in there at 3 o'clock. Just in the middle of the day, so so we uh, we we were uh, unable to enjoy anything, and and uh, we just had to sit in this warm office. And as we were sitting in this office, we were looking at the window, and there were people just lounging in the pool. And I think that was strategic, um, you know. And and um, but the the problem was is that we were in category C when they started explaining the timeshare. We were we were in category C. We we both didn't couldn't afford it. And we didn't even want it. We didn't even get it. Like, what's, what's the point? Can't you just, like, rent a hotel? There's a VRBO. There's Airbnb. Why do I need to pay $30,000 to lock into a timeshare? And they, tied, they tried explaining the benefits. They tried explaining the locations, which apparently you still had to pay airfare for, which I, I didn't realize. And then they tried guilt. Don't you want your kids to experience the beauty of the French Alps? Or the Italian Riviera. I was sure, but I also want them to go to college someday. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, we did our time and we left. Um, you know, in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a couple stories called parables. It's about buying into the kingdom. And uh, like a timeshare or a diet program or a business, God gives us the opportunity to buy into his kingdom. And today you might be sitting here and you might have some certain reservations about God. Like, yeah, I, I buy this, but I don't know if I buy this about God. And the idea of God's kingdom could seem a little drastic or over the top. Like, God, does that mean you want control over my whole life? Every part of it? That's, that seems a little excessive. So you might be here today and wondering, like, what does, what's my next step? If I'm, if I'm supposed to live into the kingdom, what's my, what's my next step? So today we're going to look at these two parables. They're found in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. So Jesus uh, says this to his disciples. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and he sold all that he had. And he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So, in these two stories, Jesus illustrates the type of buy in he's looking for into his kingdom. You know, in one story, you have a man who's after this buried treasure. And in another story, you have a man who's searching for the finest pearl he's ever seen. And there's a sense of desperation in both of these stories, that, that they just have to have it, that they have to have it, that they're compelled to do anything they could to get what they desire, and that they would be, they'd be willing to get rid of everything else in order to buy into this thing. You know, it's always humbling to read these stories and then reflect on our own lives like, do I really want the kingdom with that type of desperation? Uh, or do I try to mix my kingdom and God's kingdom? Do I, do I try to give God lordship over here, but try to control what's going on over here? And we all have varying degrees of desire when it comes to God. Maybe not in our heads, but in our lives. Sometimes we view God as someone who supports us, and we don't see ourselves as servants of God the kingdom, what we're called to. Sometimes we reduce God to a a being that is is there to enhance our lives uh, and and, and deal with our problems. And we we go to God when when our marriage is suffering, uh, when our kids are in trouble, when we're sick, when we hit hard times financially, we cry out to God. But the kingdom is bigger than that. The kingdom is bigger than us and our issues. It's bigger than the church And it's something that God wants us to all fully buy into. So what do we learn about buying into the kingdom from these stories? The first thing we learn is that buying the kingdom means being convinced of its value. If you're going to go all in on something, whether it's a timeshare or the kingdom of God, you have to be convinced that it's valuable. You have to be convinced that it's valuable. I mean, let's look at the man in the field. So back in, in Jesus' time, people didn't store their money in banks. There was no uh, federal insurance program. Banks were really unsafe. So people did not store their money, their wealth, in banks. The only safe place, by common wisdom, to, sh- uh, to store their money was in the dirt. It was to bury it, literally, literally bury your life savings. And in a place where no one else knew where it was. And sometimes when a person died... Their, their wealth was lost. It was literally lost. Um, so imagine if you're, a, if you're a day laborer and you're struggling to get by, you're struggling to support your family, uh, you're busy all the time, um, everything is a struggle, and you stumble into this large, life-altering treasure, someone's lifetime wealth, that would change everything. That would change everything. And in essence, this man was convinced that he won the lottery. He was convinced that he won the lottery. The Jewish law at the time said, if a man finds scattered fruit or scattered money, I'd rather have money than fruit, by the way, but if a man finds scattered fruit or scattered money, these belong to the finder. So you could make a case that this man doesn't even have to buy this field. He doesn't have to. If if, if he found it, it's his, but he didn't want there to be any guesswork. He didn't want there to be any gray area, so he went and he sold everything he had. And it says, with joy, he goes and sells everything he had so he can acquire this field. He leaves no room for error. He sells his house, his assets, his tools, everything. And so when we look at that, we have to ask ourselves the question, is the kingdom of God worth it? Is the kingdom of God worth it? Is a life aligned with the kingdom of God worth it? Because when we pursue God's kingdom, that means that we give up our own kingdom. So that's a question, that's an area that we all have to wrestle with. But like this man, when we're convinced that it's worth it, we respond in joy. Like this is a find. This is a find. We are excited. So um, we are, we are uh, like this man, we joyfully sur- surrender whatever we need to in order to live into the kingdom of God. But it starts with being convinced. Are we convinced in the value of the kingdom? Here are some assessment questions. I'm just going to throw these out. Um, but just as we start thinking about it, do you, do you believe God has the power to change your life completely? Do you believe that God has the power to change your life completely? Do you believe that God can help set you free or set you free completely from your sin and, and, and give you freedom that you haven't experienced? And do you believe that when you invest in the kingdom, when you make sacrifices, that it's for your ultimate good, both now and for eternity? Those are some assessment questions that we have as we evaluate how does how does my life line up with the kingdom? You know, you probably know the feeling of, uh, uh, of uh, going between being joy, uh, joyful in the Lord and going through dry seasons. And we all go through those. We go through times where we, we experience great joy in the Lord, where we feel bought in. And then there's other times where we don't know if it's worth it. And we look at other things. So that's one question we have to ask. Is it worth it? Um, In this other parable, the one with the pearl, um, we find that we also evaluate, uh, we're also convinced of something being worth it based on its beauty. You know, we find this in the story of the merchant in this search for this valuable, beautiful pearl. It says he found one that was priceless, is the word. It's it's this priceless pearl, and, and this guy was apparently really into pearls, and so he sold everything he had to get it. He had never seen anything like it before, and he had to have it. Um, I didn't know anything about pearls. So um, I did a quick Google search to just like find out a little bit of information. And um, apparently there's a, a ton of things that affect their value. Like to me, a pearl is a pearl. It could be a bead. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like It's, it's just a pearl. Um, but apparently um, their, their value depends on their, their size, like if it's a large pearl, their shape, their color, um, their luster and surface quality. I have no idea what that means, but uh, apparently it's important. Um, So I'm assuming that this pearl is large, perfectly round, and smooth. And maybe this guy's never seen this before, so he goes all in to get this pearl. But really, we're drawn to things that we find beautiful. Uh, That might be why you live here and not in Nebraska, which is a state that I've visited. One of the reasons why you live in Whatcom County is because it's beautiful, right? Anybody? Yeah? I mean, where else? Okay, where else can you go? Can you drive up an hour and a half, get on a mountaintop, do a two-hour hike, and be sitting at the base of Mount Shuxin, listening to glaciers break and crack, right? That is pretty awesome. Not that You're not going to find that in Nebraska. You might have... A beautiful day, fishing or whatever, but you're not going to find that. And I love, hey, no, no hard feelings, Nebraska, sorry. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we're the place where those nature sound CDs are made, right here. Um, but yeah, the, we, we're attracted to beauty. And so we need to ask ourselves, do we find God beautiful? When we stand and we worship together, are, do we find, do we see the beauty of God? And are we convinced that if we, if we give our lives to Him, that it really is the most beautiful life that we could live? It's that beauty and wonder of God that draws us in. So when we see how amazing His love is, how, how great His power is, and how He's able to make the best of our difficult situations, uh, that, we, uh, that we're drawn in to God, where we buy in. You know, for me, for much of my life, I grew up in the church, and I wavered in my relationship. With God. I, I wavered in, 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 in thinking, is, is this really worth it? Is God really worth it? Is, or is, is this really the best thing I could do? Is there something else that I could be a part of? And so for a lot of my life, I saw God as boring, not interesting, or just there to keep me from doing the things I really wanted to do. But my story really changed when I got to college. And one of the guys who changed it was my friend named Paul. Now Paul and I met because we were sitting in student orientation and he was sitting right next to me and we had the same pair of blue Quicksilver (laughs) flip-flops. I kid you not. It's amazing. It's a great basis for a friendship. And so Paul, Paul had come to know the Lord the year before me and unlike where I was at, Paul was just full of joy. Like he was just totally bought in. And as I got to know Paul, I found the reason why is because Man, he had tried everything else. He had tried everything else. He had, he had ran, he tried to live the party life. He tried to chase girls. He tried to do all these things. And you know what? He found that it wasn't worth it. That, that giving his life to those things wasn't worth it. So when he found Jesus, man, he was just lit up. He was just excited. His joy was evident. And, and as I got to know Paul, that joy was infectious. Like it carried over to me. All of a sudden, I was getting up and praying in the morning. All of a sudden, I was talking to friends about Jesus, something I, I was scared to do before that. But Paul is this example to me of this bought-in life. So as we've talked about the kingdom and buying in, uh, one thing that I want to recognize is you might feel a little confused. You might be thinking, wait, 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 Okay. Yeah, but isn't our relationship with God free? Isn't, doesn't he freely offer his grace to everybody? Yes, he does. It's free. So why are we talking about buying in to God? I'm to, I want to attempt to just kind of explain this, but that's, that's a great question. There's, there's tension in Scripture, and there's tension in how Jesus uh, shares this truth. And the reality, the best that I could describe it is this. Jesus, the the reality Jesus gives us is that buying into the kingdom costs nothing and everything at the same time. It costs nothing and everything. Um, You know that word paradox, it's it's a paradox. It's both at the same time. How can something cost nothing and everything at the same time? Well, I'll try to explain it. The invitation Costs you nothing. God's grace and salvation is free for you today. You can have it. It's yours. Uh, you can believe it if you if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it's yours. You can be saved. Uh, you might know this verse. Uh, it's, it's John 3:16. You might know this verse. I thought we'd just share it real quick. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. This is Jesus' words that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Man, that invitation is a gift of love to you. Uh, We just celebrated baptism. Like, this is a free thing. You don't have to go through an interview. It's yours. There's no barrier between you and God. If you believe in your heart, you're saved. God saves you from hell for a life in heaven. God saves you. You you belong to him. Because the reality is, is that before we could buy him, he bought us. He bought us with his blood. And when you believe in him, you're his. You belong to him. And his love for you, it's beautiful and it costs him his life. So there's no question. I don't want there to be any question that salvation is a free gift from God. We don't earn it. And that, but that's not what these stories are teaching us. Uh, they're, they're teaching us this, is that while the invitation costs you nothing, discipleship costs you everything. If you want to be, um, be a disciple of Jesus, it will cost you everything. I want to share Jesus' words in Luke 14. If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It's a weighty statement. It's a weighty statement. Thanks, Jesus. I have to preach on that, man. Gosh. Um, it's what he says. It says, uh, you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It costs us everything. So what that means is that when, when we come to Jesus, we can't leave anything off the table. We have, to, we have to come with open hands and just be like, here you go, God. That word in, in there, the give up word, it, it's like renounce. Like, hey, I would, I would give up anything to follow you, Jesus. I, here it is. It's giving everything to God. You know, Jesus uses the examples of a, of a builder who's estimating the cost of a, of a project. You know, he's, he needs to make sure that, that he's willing to pay uh, and, and has what he needs to get the job done. Same way it's this king who sees this upcoming army. He's got to evaluate whether uh, he has, his army is big enough to take on that army. He's not going to go halfway. And in the same way, we're, we're not really allowed... To go halfway. If we're in, we're in. I know that being a disciple, it's, it's not an easy road. What it really means, it's reorienting your whole life around God's kingdom. You know, we have to give up the identity that we try to create for ourselves to embrace an identity created by God, to embrace Jesus as our identity. So that could mean sacrificing relationships, time, money, family privacy. You know, I worked for a, a pastor at one point who um, moved away from his home in Oregon to go plant a church in Chicago. You know, that whole like beauty thing I was talking about earlier, I would not make that trade. But he left his home, left Oregon to go to Chicago. And, and, and he talked about his family and, and, and evaluating that decision. And he said, you know, it's not that I, I love my parents too little, it's that I love them too much. He sacrificed that time with his parents so that he could follow God's call and, and spend his time telling others about Jesus. So that leads us into this sermon in a sentence today. It's this. You can't buy into the kingdom and not change. You can't buy into the kingdom and not change. It's about accepting the invitation of salvation, but then embracing a life under the king's direction. It's embracing the lordship, of God. Uh, I like how uh, J.R. Briggs puts it. He says, come as you are. You're invited to come as you are, but don't stay there. Come as you are. Come as you are. Come broken, come hurting, come messy, but don't stay there. Don't stay as you are. We are we're invited to have a changed life as Christians. You know, we, we uh, another guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Um, who's a missionary who was um, killed at the hands of the Nazis. He said this, he said, To encounter God is to change. When we experience God, it leads to change. When we stand here and we worship God, when we truly worship God, it leads to change in our heart. It should lead into change to our heart. It should lead into a change of how we view life. uh, When we come and we worship God. So what that means is, is that the danger is in being in a place of complacency with God. It's dangerous to be in a place of complacency or feel like we have an understanding with God. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's all the responsibilities of life that come over. But I find more and more sometimes it's, it's the noise that takes over our lives. It's the, it's, it's the noise of the, the screens that we look at. Um, it's the noise of, of all of life that, that drowns out this call to the kingdom. You know, I, I, I am not immune from the, the, the uh, Netflix binge every once in a while. I just want you to know that. Um, but I find that those, those times, they sap my energy for God. It's just I'm getting engrossed in the wrong story. You know, our, our, but our weeks, I understand our weeks can be so stressful that we want to find something to distract us with. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, though, those times won't lead to change. Those times won't lead to change. Time spent with God leads to change. When we pursue God in our community, we can't help but be changed. It's, it's not an option. We'll, we will change when we spend time with God. Um, so as we begin to wrap up today, I want to share... Uh, this truth, um, that a bought-in heart leads to bought-in behavior. That when we're bought in at a heart level, it leads to action. And uh, I want to share a few of these behaviors with you, just to kind of prime the pump for this in your life. You know, these, these are three actions that that we experience when, we, um, when we, we buy into the kingdom. The first is this, is that We surrender daily to the king. Um, One of the first actions is just surrender, the act of surrender. We surrender daily to the king. You know, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Grab your phone, I do that. Uh, Turn on the TV, the radio, what's the first thing you do? A bought-in person surrenders to God's will every day, in the morning. In the morning, when they get up, they pray, God, they pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, they seek God in his word before looking at anything else. They spend time in their Bible asking God, God, who are you? What is your will? The cool thing about the Bible is when you read it, you actually get to know God. It's, it's cool. Um, and I guarantee that, that our lives would look different if we just spent a half hour and an hour, got up a little earlier and just spent some time with God surrendering. We surrender. We say, God, how do you want to use me today? Um, where are you at work in my workplace? Where are you at work and the people that I'm in, I'm connected with? Um, you know, this is, Dan talked last week about kingdom alignment. That's really what it is. It's just spending that time in alignment in the morning. A bought-in person also makes their resources available to the king. You know, how, how we spend our resources reflects where our heart is. Um, you know, a bought-in person, um, a person bought into the king thinks about not how they can They can keep their resources, but how they can actually use their resources for the kingdom. So we have to ask, what has God given you? What has God given you? How about time? Let's look at our time. How how are we spending our time? Are we accommodating everybody to try to make everything work, and then God is kind of put on the back burner? Um, Do you have time, space in your life where you're investing in others, in relationship, discipling people? Um, There's something about protecting that time for God. Like, if, if you need to, just put it in your Google Calendar. Put it in your schedule. Put it in whatever, uh, you know, wh- whatever you need to to protect time. You know, we talked about neighboring. And the one thing with neighboring is that the issue is time. It's a time issue. Do we have the margin in our lives to actually give to serving our neighbors? Um, money. Money, that's a fun thing to talk about. Um, but the, Jesus talked about it so much. Whose kingdom are we building with our money? Um, When we're faithful to give, God uses it to advance his kingdom. God uses it to advance his kingdom. You know, there's so much need around the world. We just talked about open arms. You know, there's so much need there. Open arms is a ministry that exists to keep families together. Um, You know, another thing we had uh, in Getty Refuge here a couple weeks ago. You know, they are 100% donation-based. If they accepted any state funding... They couldn't share the gospel to everybody they're sharing the gospel with. So they've chosen, no, we're just going to be 100% donation funded. So that means that that churches have to be faithful to give. It, uh, there's no other ministry that I know of that is, is uh, rehabilitating ex-prostituted women at a 95% success rate. That is amazing. But it only happens when we're faithful to give. So... So there's time, there's money. How about our homes? we got a living room people could sit in. We've got a kitchen people could hang out in. We can leverage our home for the kingdom. We can can invite people in. The thing about inviting people into your home is it tells people you belong. You belong. It's pretty cool. I think the best stuff happening right now in our church is happening not here, but in homes. So lastly, in all of this, and team, you can come up. When we're bought in, we spread the news of the kingdom. And this is something that just happens. Joy spreads the news. You know, when we're bought in like the man in the field, we, we respond in our joy. It's like my, my friend Paul. He didn't, he didn't hide his joy. He, he let it out. He let it out. And so to share the hope that we have in Christ, we've got to let out that joy and, and spread the news of the kingdom. Because I fully believe that the kingdom is, is where the party is. I fully believe that when you have a God who, who, who gives us freedom and life and, and everything that God gives us, that's where the party is. And the people in your life need to know about it. It'd be selfish not to tell them. So as you go, think about how you can share the kingdom, how you can, can use what God has given you to, uh, to reach others, to, to love others, to share his love. You know, when we buy in, that's when change happens. God wants us to have transformed lives. God wants us to have changed hearts. This is not something we force It, it starts with god let 's pray Jesus we uh, we come before you, God, and Lord, I know that this is a this is a hard message to hear Lord. I know that there 's areas in my life where I need to be aligned to your kingdom God I know there 's uh, People in here who are, are struggling to hang on, God, who are surviving, um, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would just meet us wherever we're at today. God, whatever we're going through, whatever the stresses in our lives, you know, in, in Psalm 130, you say, Out of the depths I cry out, God. Lord, some of us are in the depths this morning, God. Lord, would you lift us out, Lord? Would you give us a vision for your kingdom? Lord would you give us a vision for what you want us to do God we want to be a church that submits to your will and doesn't create our own. And so God, I just pray for that in all of our hearts God, that you would help us to surrender daily to the to your will, to what you want, not what we want God not our will but your will be done God. Lord, I, I pray Father that that uh, as we leave God that you would you would remind us of our value, God, that you'd remind us that, before we can buy in that you bought us. God, you bought us on the cross. Lord, your love has no, uh, God, your your love has no barrier. Father, that you reach us right where we're at and you wanna restore us, God, to health. So God, help us just wherever we're at, Father, to trust you. Lord, I pray for for our church. I pray as as we're venturing out, as we're taking risks, as we're, building buildings and planning churches and doing all this stuff, God, I pray that your kingdom would come, God, that it's not about the activity, God, it's about the king. So we just, uh, we pray for that, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.